Welcome to the Still Unsponsored Podcast. Hi. Episode 15. I'm Chris. I'm Zach. All right. So this is our, I guess, technically second episode since uh, the new year. But first for everyone listening. Well, no, no. First for everyone listening. Or second for everyone listening first for us. Yeah. Because we recorded... That's right. Okay. We got it right. We recorded the New Year's Day podcast uh, like before Christmas. Yeah. So been a little while been a bit for us uh-huh. yeah so we gotta we gotta get back in the swing of it not that we were in one before <laughs> <laughs> so zach traveling over the holidays yeah uh how many diseases did you get enough to knock me on my ass for a few days that's for sure yeah i uh so i've never seen a flight both ways back up to chicago again for all of our loyal fans uh i've never seen a plane filled with so many sick people like if my wife didn't have headphones, so I let her use my headphones. Yeah. So I just sat there kind of listening. Yeah. And all you hear is <laughs> from everywhere, like, across the entire plane, <laughs> there was a constant chorus of just noises of germ spewing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Uh, I went to Washington mm-hmm. and you could hear, uh-huh. probably, hear yeah. it in the headphones. Yeah. And I'm like now verbally, auditorially assaulting everyone's ears with my leftover disease yeah yeah no it's not like i started smoking for 30 years and now sound like this uh no i just (laughs) i just happened to get on an airplane and now i sound like this i think everyone was washing or sick in washington i think everyone was sick in chicago too there's just something going around i think everything's going around yeah okay so uh back on track now that we've talked about our diseases and why our voices sound funny and yeah like more more funny than normal yeah exactly please subscribe uh, <laughs> <laughs> our vice voices will return to normal normal yeah <laughs> to the return to the mean <laughs> yeah uh we're gonna talk about uh apple and their questionable product marketing decisions around their batteries battery uh, gate unusual that a company like apple uh fucks up this bad mm-hmm. uh, bam explicit um <laughs> and we're two minutes in um logan paul for hopefully all of our listeners that haven't heard about him i hope you haven't heard about him because it means you're like decent human beings uh not uh tweens watching youtube Mm. but he did some interesting shit on youtube and it will probably have impacts on advertisers and creators on youtube so worth Mm. talking about cool uh chrome and where that's at there were some interesting articles came out this week about it Mm. and then our main topic uh hiring a designer cool so hang on for that one this is a full featured episode yeah a full featured episode i think we're gonna have to cruise through this one uh to get it somewhere around 45 minutes cool let's do it cool All apple right. batteries do you want to do the overview or you want me to go for it okay so uh this started a couple weeks ago when there was like a conspiracy theory floating around that said that apple was slowing down older phones mm-hmm. like oh i updated my os and now my phone's slower so it started as a conspiracy theory. Then people were able to prove it. And that forced Apple to uh, to say, yes, we were doing that. So that's worth unpacking a little bit. Sure. They claimed that they were slowing down older phones to basically uh, sort of govern the amount of processor that the phone could use yep. to help older batteries maintain like all day battery life. Extended out. So it wouldn't just bleh. So it wouldn't just kill it, right? Because fun fact, lithium-ion batteries only have so many charge cycle capacities, which is something no one talks about. That's why after every year, your phone... Well, all right, continue. You're on. You're going. 
You're going. Yes. You're going. Yes. But I think that is actually the point, which mm-hmm. is um, processors should stay at the speed mm-hmm. they, they chooch at, mm-hmm. um, but old batteries is a known thing. So batteries hold less charge mm-hmm. as they get old. Mm-hmm. They don't, they, the, the charging gets weird, mm-hmm. you know, so all that things. And so I think right then, like if you just stop the story right then and there, um, I think Apple probably sat in a boardroom somewhere and were like, you know, users hate or users hate when their phones crap out halfway through the day. So what can we do about that? Given that, you know, well, the, you're giving this more credit. I don't think it's a boardroom decision. I, no, I bet it was because then the engineer was like, oh, I got an idea. Let's govern the processor. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like, hey, good idea. And then they went and did it. Right. Mm-hmm. Thinking they were solving a customer issue. But the problem was consumers understand the limitations of batteries, but they don't like things going slow. Mm-hmm. So if they had just said, hey, your battery is getting old you know, you can either get a new phone or you can, yeah. you know, replace it. I think that would have been better off. Yeah. So anyway, fast forward, they offered to replace people's batteries. Yeah. $29. Yeah. And now, regardless if you need one or not, it's all through the year too, isn't it? I think it goes to the end of this year. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, I, I lean towards giving Apple benefit of the doubt on this one that they're... It, it, to me, it seems like a product marketer presented a problem that consumers were having and an engineer solved it. Yeah. But they didn't think about how that solution was going to be received by the customer. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, this, this is a tough one. <laughs> this is a really tough one. I mean, because here's the other thing, too. From my understanding, I didn't read the article in depth, but my understanding of this whole thing is they only govern the processor when it's under like extreme load. Mm. So for the most part, if you're just sitting there popping up an iMessage, you're not going to notice too much. But if you're surfing the web and it's taking forever to download, you might you might feel that pain a bit more. Yeah, and that's why I say like put yourself in the in Apple's position. You know, they're probably looking at some stat that says like, oh well, the average user only has ten apps installed, mm-hmm. and like the governor is going to come off when you launch angry birds. Right. So maybe this is a good idea. Right. You know, and, and people hate battery life more than, than waiting an extra quarter of a second when you push the phone icon. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my wife's phone, I think is affected by this. Mm -hmm. And when you try and load maps, it was painful. Mm-hmm. I was like, all of a sudden happened. Yeah. 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 I was like ready to give up on the phone. I'm like, so did you, uh, all right, back up though. Did you put a new OS on there or yeah, it, just, it got all updated. Yeah. So, so as soon as you put new OS on it, checks it and says, Oh, you're an older battery. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. she either needs to upgrade or she needs to, well, so now I'm the way phone. I'm doing this is I'm sandbagging this. Cause I just got mm-hmm. my phone a year ago. I was seven yeah. uh, plus. So yeah. I'm just gonna wait till the end of this year, put a new battery and I'll get on a good two years out of it. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I wasn't on the like the Apple phone lease program, mm. then yeah, that's that's yeah. totally the move. Yeah. So it's a certain it's a certain thing. It's like I'm not playing games on the phone. I use a lot of like business productivity tools. Right. They're not like stressing. The They're processor. not processor. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So if you keep swapping out that battery, you're not gonna see anything. You're probably gonna be pretty good. So to kind of dig in this article a little bit further. This kind of whole thing a little bit further. There were some, I, I think it was on CNET, some analysts were saying, or one of the writers, commentators was saying, uh, Apple should just do it for free. 
Right. They shouldn't charge the th- yeah. uh, 29 bucks. They just do it for free. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a drop in the bucket for how much they, they move. Right. Which, okay, valid point. Another kind of consideration point. Now that people are replacing their batteries and their phones start going faster, what's the downstream effects of this for the next couple of years for Apple? Are people going to be upgrading their phones because they're not as, quote unquote, slow anymore? You know, Apple's probably done this like cohort analysis where they've said like, there's the cohort that upgrades for vanity, mm-hmm. right? You know, hey, the new, you know, the iPhone 10's out, yep. so I'm going to like yep. go grab it. And then there's the cohort that just waits until the thing's not functional. Yeah. Right. So you have both in, in our house. Right? And they're both affected by this too. Right. Yeah. Um, man, that's interesting because small things like that, you know, have big, have profound impacts on a company like Apple's yeah. revenue just because of the size, the size. Mm-hmm. But I'd lean towards like, it's probably not going to hurt them. Well, so you replace your wife's phone battery. All of a sudden, it's chooching along faster. Yeah, when when I was ready to throw it at a wall right. and go buy a new one. Exactly. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe it delays it by a year or something. You know? So what's our what's our forecast here? Like pass on buying Apple stock right now? Um, well, don't ask me. I always time it wrong for Apple stock, so I'm the worst person to ask. I think uh, <laughs> consult your financial advisor and don't take advice from us. <laughs> yeah, step number one. You know, I think this will be interesting. I, I Apple is to a certain size now. I think uh, this is more people freaking out over nothing. Honestly, it'll blow over in a few months. I think what will be interesting though is. I, I, we're getting away from user replaceable batteries. Like Apple hasn't done it in ever. I yeah. think Samsung is getting away from it as well. Yeah. Um, we're just going to see what happens on battery policies. You know, yeah. maybe this starts extending into laptops and all that stuff, iPads. Because, you know, iPads are probably, it's the same OS. Yeah. <laughs> so do I now get a new iPad battery for free or 30 bucks? Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens kind of the, what the next stage of this whole Apple battery it, it, it is very interesting because I think you're you're absolutely right like what kills devices especially Apple devices is the battery mm-hmm. you know like I have a seven year old MacBook I think it's something something like that yep. um, maybe it's six but the battery is what's killed it right like, sorry I'm chewing ice game <laughs> otherwise it'd be fine like my previous work laptop yep. the battery died yep. but it was sort of time for an upgrade cycle yep. since I'd had it for three years yep um, but yeah, you know, same t- same thing. There's guys at work that are like, you know what? I like this laptop yep. and I'm not giving it up. Yeah. You know, put a new battery in it if you have to. Yeah. You so, like, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Next story. Um, Logan Paul, do you mm. know who that is? I do, but go ahead and share. <laughs> how do you know who Logan Paul is? Because we talked about this earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's how. Yeah. So from me. Yeah. All right. Well, he's someone that I wish that I didn't know. Um, so he's one of the giant YouTubers at, that, you know, I, I gotta like do some other rant some other time about like how, you know, the, the content, it's like Teletubbies meets reality TV and that's what these YouTubers are putting out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That sounds great. So Logan Paul is Teletubbies meets reality TV, <laughs> YouTube, daily YouTube videos for your you know, preteen. Got it. Right. Um, but since it's YouTube and since it's the internet and since these guys are all like, you know, in their twenties, yep. uh, you have this perfect blending of like, you know, questionable, questionable content and like 
people that don't really know what to do with their fame. So, you know, all that is the backdrop for a guy that now has like, I think 10 million subscribers Wow! in the YouTube world is very large. Right. So, uh, basically he went to Japan. He was visiting Japan Mm -hmm. doing his vlog thing. They were going to go do a vlog in vlog. a vlog in the Japanese like suicide forest, mm-hmm. quote suicide forest. Isn't there a movie that started off in like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so already you're in like, Hey man, maybe this isn't a good idea. Right. <laughs> Territory. Yeah. Um, so they go in, they find a body that, yeah. that was hanging from a tree and they film it and being teenage well slightly past teenagers that don't know how to deal with things like they're still joking and screwing around and all of this is recorded he tries to twist it into some like suicide awareness thing but then the thumbnail included the body oh no right so mm. just like okay so you you imagine what happens now like uh the just you know everyone freaks out mm-hmm. right and it's like hey that that was fucked up yeah you, you shouldn't do that yeah um and so the question is sort of like, what's that mean for the marketing world and, and YouTube altogether? Since, you know, Logan Paul is going to have to deal with his own mm-hmm. bad PR. Yeah. <laughs> right. We don't really care. Actually, if he if he ceased to exist, I would be quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> so we should be asking him for sponsorship. Got it. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Actually, totally fascinating to go watch those guys in the way that they uh, sell their merch. Like, actually, I, OK, I back up. If you're a marketer and you want to know how how to how creators can make money, mm-hmm. uh, go watch Logan Paul because I'd say Logan Paul and Phil DeFranco are two very interesting guys to watch on how you'd monetize your fame. Mm. Um, and from from the podcast sponsorships I've done, I, I know that like after about a hundred thousand subs, you get to this point where sponsorships maybe the least of your income mm-hmm. like your own merch is probably we're getting all of it yeah yeah so anyway he, he logan paul is plugging his own merch like mm. every 10 seconds you know uh and make it right yeah oh yeah i'm sure he is yeah um so this thing hit the youtube trending page you know with thumbnail and all which led a bunch of youtube commentators to say does youtube have like a double standard so rewind to adpocalypse yep. where advertisers were mad that their ads were showing up on like jihadist videos yeah. or white supremacist mm-hmm. videos and that kind of thing right so you know now you have ads on one of the biggest youtubers you know with a dead body with a dead body and this thing's on the trending page so you know it it led phil defranco to ask like well is there a double standard here right Mm -hmm. are you applying demonetization rules to like 99.99999 percent of creators but then you have like your top whatever percent like in some other bucket because you don't want to touch them it you sounds know. like conspiracy theory, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but you could see how YouTube would want to do that, right? Yeah. Because if their, if their algorithm is finding, is leaning towards demonetizing, mm-hmm. you know, and they think that that's a favorable outcome, you might want to hold out your big guys and say, we're not going to apply the algorithm to them because yeah. those are where like the hyper valuable page views are going to, or you know, right. views are going to come from. the quantity, yeah. 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 Um, so from an advertiser perspective, you know, I don't think this really changes all that much other than like if you were 
on the side of the adpocalypse advertisers Mm -hmm. and it's like you're just gonna have to be careful with broad targeting right yeah you know and it kind of leads me to my second second point on this which is um the way that we like i I think about our our youtube advertising or our, our social media advertising in kind of two buckets one there's the like the broad targeting, retargeting, prospecting, mm-hmm. where you go where the algorithm takes you type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the relationships that you manage. Yeah. And if you are in a hyper-conservative company, then you want to make it all relationships that you manage. Right. And then you would know, you know, if Logan Paul is like, if that's an influencer you work mm-hmm. with, you would have an idea if that's something that he's prone to do. Yep, yep. So thoughts uh i my question is who the hell was asleep at uh youtube or the other question is who was who was asleep in the logan paul camp like well either or so replace logan paul with someone else right would this is still gone up yeah you know and with all again another story i was reading about how all the um these poor people out in silicon valley making 10 bucks an hour 15 bucks an hour to sit here and just look at everything that's uploaded that's been flagged or the algorithm has identified as something to you know take a look at yeah what the hell happened here i mean this is something zuckerberg was saying on facebook in particular they're hiring a ton of people for yeah so you know that google is doing the same thing on youtube well and you would think that on the google side you know the the interesting thing is how long it took to right you know and and phil franco you know i'm referencing him several times because i think you, you know he's a he's obviously grown up in this world and has you mm-hmm. know done a lot of deep thinking on this but you know he pointed out there the interval between the video going up and his like initial wave of views coming in mm-hmm. and then like it sort of hitting national attention and getting pulled like from logan paul's perspective he didn't realize he fucked up until he was in the national news mm. right because his fans were telling him like yeah. oh savage video man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right so there's like this echo chamber this is sort of like echo chamber internet this is sort of the new world we're in mm-hmm. where like if you only hear from your fans you know yeah you know and he was probably in the initial hours of after this thing was up like anyone that was saying hey this is messed up he's probably like that person just doesn't like me yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. so cool all right we got down two major news stories yeah chrome uh so this is something that we'd actually been talking a lot in reference to the first story the battery story mm-hmm. uh we both have these new uh well not new we've year been old using, now year old now uh macbook pros with the with the touch bar and i think you and i both got on flights mm-hmm. and we're like holy shit the battery lasts 40 minutes not five hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh-huh right uh-huh um and so the story is uh in the verge and this was uh <laughs> circulated by dig uh, you know, Chrome is over because it's such an internet, uh, a resource hog, yeah. which I think is news circa like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, interesting, interesting discussion. Did you read this article? I, I glanced through bits and pieces of it. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. <God>. So <coughs> I'll, airborne I'll, illness. I'll, I'll talk and mute you while you uh, <laughs> deal with that. Um, <laughs> <Sorry. coughs> okay. um, so here was the here was the twist on the article, which is they were saying, yeah, it's been a resource hog for a really long time. Like yeah. we all know that, um, but the problem is now that it it is like forty percent of what people use mm-hmm. and, and by far the leading browser. 
um, web devs are designing exclusively for Chrome yep. and putting up things that say, hey, use Chrome yeah. instead of fixing it for other browsers, right. which is a problem because then the, the standard becomes Chrome, right. not the the defined standards of the W3, internet. W3C standard. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Teachable moment. Like, you know, maybe run other browsers and see if your website looks good on them. So, I actually like Opera. You like Opera? I actually like Opera, which is funny because it actually uses the Chrome, uh, Chromium rendering engine. Rendering engine. Right. Um, yeah. I So, the the hint they were getting at, getting at in this the article I saw was that it's essentially Internet Explorer kind of full circle yeah full circle because now yeah you're, you're getting locked on to a certain path uh except i'm I, yeah. I give google way more passes than i give microsoft <laughs> i don't know anymore yeah that's true yeah i don't know anymore um yeah it's i don't know it yeah i don't know if this is an issue it is and it isn't i mean I, I think it is from like the resource thing is the thing i always wish they would fix but then end up never gonna do that like shrugging because i I had that issue like when Chrome first came out. I was like, oh, they'll fix it. They'll fix it. And then no, I never did. Well, Chris, you should learn some programming skills and commit some uh, fixes to that. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I was bitching about it instead. <laughs> my, uh, pro- my programming's better than my accounting, but uh, <laughs> neither is something that's fit for public consumption. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting take on things. I, Chrome is man i remember when it first came out it was the whole thing was that so fast yeah it was so much faster yeah why is it a beach ball i don't know dude you gotta you gotta have something a beach ball you think they would have iterated on that by now hmm? i don't know question is like what's gonna replace chrome right everything comes in waves right. i mean it's not gonna be instant but what is going to replace chrome right and yeah, you know, if if you asked me like, oh, what's going to replace Chrome? You know, like I don't think there's anything. Okay, so here's here's all right. Let's rewind to the Microsoft mm. or the Internet Explorer mm-hmm. reference, right? Internet Explorer, when Microsoft was getting sued for antitrust, had something like 90 percent of the market mm-hmm. share, right? It's huge. So this article's coming out complaining about Chrome and web devs exclusively developing for Chrome and the problems that that causes. But it's only got like what forty percent, something like that. Yeah, you know, I think probably when we look at our analytics, it's a little bit more, maybe more like sixty. Um, but uh, that's that's different, right? So, mm-hmm. what's going to come along and replace Chrome? It's like nothing. Yeah, Chrome will just fracture. Yeah, would be my guess. Yeah, like so, you're not going to see like you'll see the majority browser is going to be something with like thirty percent market right. share or twenty five percent market share. I don't. I don't see a world where it's like one browser until you get the virtual reality browser. Well, but even then, you know, yeah. Even Anywho, then. long story short, if mar- for the marketing folks, make sure your web properties, your web applications work yeah. cross browser. It's just bad practice yeah. to focus on one browser. Okay. So here's why I would say that. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have Apple and Google duking mm-hmm. it out. Right. So, right there the share can only really get above 50 percent. yeah right because even if you say okay all browsing will happen on mobile devices mm-hmm. you know then it's like okay 50 percent apple 50 percent google mm-hmm. you're 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 already fractured yeah and it's like the types of devices that people are using is causing that fracturing not yeah. like dominance of one company in the yep. broader market wow yeah so moral of the story designed for everyone designed for everyone mm-hmm. yeah exactly um okay 
God, I hated it when managers would be like, yeah, but it doesn't look good in Internet Explorer. Fuck Internet Explorer! <laughs> well, to be fair, so the other, the other caveat is come up, so this is something I actually give a lot of advice for, is figure out what your threshold is of support. Yeah. Uh, typically, what, what I've used in the past is once it hits below, call it 7%, yeah. put less effort into that it. That is a really good point mm-hmm. because I think the other thing is like, you know, the laggards using Internet Explorer mm-hmm. were were very resistant to move off of it or it was companies that were mandating that you use Internet Explorer for reasons entirely fucking uh-huh. unknown, uh-huh. right? Um, whereas, like, early adopters know they're going to feel pain right. and will be more tolerant of a website and maybe not working the way it should when right. they're using the shiny new browser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, does, you know, figure out what your analytics say, figure out what your business strategy is and... You know, do what you can, but I wouldn't put, you know, if you have 1% of your users on Internet Explorer, what is it now? Or Edge. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Anywho. All right. Cool. Main topic time. All right. And we're at 24 minutes. Nice. Yeah. So we got like 10, 10, 15 minutes to to cover this. Nice. Cool. So uh, hiring a designer, Mm. something that we've uh, we've both done and Mm -hmm. I think warrants conversation because uh, I feel like it's different than maybe other positions. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. You, you want to start out? What, what, what are the topics on your bullet point? <laughs> what, are, what are the topics? So, um, oh, sorry. Yeah. He, each other it here. was a narrow table. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the first thing that I think is worth pointing out when you're hiring a designer is, uh, you know, many other marketing jobs now are, uh, are data driven, mm-hmm. you know? So you're talking about sort of that, that qualitative, sign of the brain or side of the, or sorry quantitative side of the brain mm-hmm. an artist you know or a designer is really the qualitative yeah. side um and so you can't it's not like you can just go buy like i would like three units of design please right right like because it's not all the same yep Right. You're mm-hmm. for different prices. You're going to get different things, but then there's also value out there in the marketplace. Yep. Um, and you also need to find someone that, that fits with your aesthetic. That's right. going to communicate your brand. Right. And it kind of has to match their style. Yep. Um, I would, I would say there is like, um, so in business school, you know, I think, they'll occasionally say to you things like, well, you know, uh, you got to make sure that you separate like yourself from the brand so that, you know, you're not projecting yourself onto the brand. I, I think my experience has been that that's actually very hard to do and that you probably actually want to hire someone in this case, whose personal aesthetic matches the brand. Yep. Because that way they design what they like and it matches rather than, than them having to constantly like pull themselves out and put them in in like you know some other headspace sure very deep very deep yeah i think uh so it depends on the the level of designers you're hiring as well too right so and it also depends what you're doing so when i look at designers you know they typically have had to be a little bit more of a, a swiss army knife doing a little bit of everything yep and so when you have someone like that uh 
it's important that they have the design skills, but then also can take the quantitative stuff that you're you're finding, whether you're A/B testing or you're buying traffic to or something of that nature, and have that designer be able to articulate it into design to assist that. Right. Right. So you could have a designer that creates really beautiful things, but you throw it on the website and it just tanks conversion. So we should back up and also talk about like you know probably the management pro tip for design for working with an excellent Mm -hmm. designer and this actually kind of goes for developers and many other people but i like to take problems to them Mm -hmm. and have them provide solutions right so i'll say like hey i have a conversion problem on this page you know or i think that this area doesn't communicate the brand right you know and then i don't prescribe a solution like Mm -hmm. they aren't they aren't like the second order interface for power for, for Photoshop. Like right. I'm trying to use Photoshop through them. That's not how that works. Right. Like they go and dream their dreams and bring solutions back. Yep. Well, that's typically if any good manager would do for anyone, but yeah. Right. But, <laughs> but the number of times that I've seen, you know, yeah. like people hovering over their designer pointing and saying like, move this here, move that there. Okay. Yeah. Thumbs up. It's like if you hired the really quality designer that knows what they're doing, then you shouldn't have to do that. Their opinion should trump yours. Definitely. Or they should be able to articulate why they made a, a specific decision. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So the the bullet point that I had in here that you were going towards is know what you're hiring them mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Right. So not all designers are the same. Exactly. So are you hiring them for conversion optimization? Right. Is this like e-commerce reg flow is this some sort of like back of site user interface like these are all is it physical box design (laughs) yeah yeah i mean posters is it emails is it like yeah and that's the thing it's it's very hard to find someone that can take that all so this is what i know we talked about this before whether you should insource or outsource you know this is this is definitely a hot hot topic for that um, you know, if you are a smaller shop, uh, you probably don't need to have a creative director on hand to be doing little website changes. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I think when you look at the, the, the world of marketing, design has the biggest impact, period. But it's also probably one of the most underappreciated and underutilized resources that you can use. Yes. I, yeah. So, to get back to how to hire a designer. Right. Um, I, I Portfolios, of course, super yep. important. Uh, I always, this is with everyone that I interview, I always give assignments. Real, like not yeah. bullshit assignments. Uh, I've given this before to candidates that are looking to, to come join the team. Um, hey, we're going to be launching a new website. Create some new wireframes for what this website could be. Here's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And let them go crazy. Give them a realistic timeline, yep. you know, and then see what they come back with. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> they're... Designers need flexibility, and so that you know, if you if your environment isn't uh, as if it's a little more traditional, right? I might need to make some exceptions because designers are they're unique unicorns. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, as I started out with, they are much more of an artist yes. than yes. a spreadsheet warrior. Yes, exactly. You know, and all the stereotypes that come with that. Yes, you know, are like. Yes, I, 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 very true. <laughs> our kindergarten teachers told us not to stereotype, but mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, designers have a type, um, yep. you know, and you, you just like stop trying to swim upstream, yep. <laughs> you know, like yep. go with it and let get the best work out of them you can. Exactly. Right? Exactly. 
Right. Okay. So I totally agree with you. Like, uh, understand what you're going to do with them and then look for a uh, portfolio. Yeah. I would say portfolio. I love your real, real, world, blah, blah, real blah. world assignment. Yep. Like, I think that's killer. It's also, so I also, this is all pro tip number two here. Uh, make sure when you're giving that assignment, open that dialogue immediately and say, Hey, I'm available for any questions. Yeah. Let me know what you come up with. Yeah. Uh, if they don't, if they don't give you any questions, that's one sign to be like, uh Oh, because you want that two way dialogue because it is kind of a symbiotic relationship all the way through. Right. You know, that's, uh, it kind of brings up a broader point for just like hiring and, and you know, if you're new in the job and you're communicating, um, you know, I, one of the pieces of advice that I give people that are just starting out is like, ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's a warning sign as a manager, if someone just goes off and like, yeah, I'm brand new here. I'm just going to go off into my cubicle and I'm going to like start working on that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you have no idea what happens in this building or yep. in this, in this enterprise. Like you, you need to be asking a million questions, even if you think they're dumb. Yep. You know, so your point here, if I'm understanding it correctly, mm-hmm. is they should be doing that before they're even hired when Bingo. they're in the interview process. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. 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 Okay. Did we cover that? Uh, no. Oh, okay. We got more. <laughs> yeah, we, we got more. Um, so how do you embed them into the larger team? So like hiring is one thing, mm-hmm. but then utilizing, which we've kind of touched on a little bit is the other. So assuming you're a startup or a medium sized company, mm-hmm. how, like, where do you put them on the team? How do you structure the team around them? What do you do? That's a much your question but so the short answer is throw them on in <laughs> like i i don't know the teams i've always worked with we've always built this really kind of collaborative culture we have daily stand-ups and so right immediately everyone's going over and, and looking at things you involve them in with right you involve your team with kind of the the direction the wireframes the mock-ups making sure that there's just you know it's not necessarily demands but right. uh making sure that it's feedback from the team to the designer getting them right up in there so, so i yeah um, and I think, so what you're trying to say here is basically like, they, they aren't off on some Correct. island. They need to be in with the team. That like your morning standups where your PPC teams going over how many like conversions they got. Mm-hmm. If you're on a small team, the designer should be sitting there listening to that. Yep. Because then, then we were talking about, okay, I took a designer a problem and they solved it. Like they're listening to the problems as they're coming in. Right. Yeah, and so I think as a manager too, it's it's also very important to be able to art- again articulate the problems. Uh, so in the case of PPC, I could see an example where the PPC team could be saying, "Hey, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot less clicks coming through." In my mind, as a manager, it means okay, well we have a we have an asset problem, right? The right. assets aren't right. clear enough. There's something not resonating right. with the the audience, and so it's your job as a manager to then articulate that to the designer right. and say, "Here's again to your point. Here's the situation." go well and in a slightly larger organization you know one of the things that i like hearing is occasionally like both sides will want to talk to you as a manager mm-hmm. and, and like they're thinking this hub and spoke system rather than an any to any so the ppc manager will come to you and say hey we got a click-through problem there's probably some sort of like creative issue right <laughs> right right and then it's like expecting me to go talk to the designer and get them new creative right okay cool story like but the, what i like hearing way more is when the ppc manager comes to me and says hey, we had a click-through problem and I was just talking to the designer. Like, is it cool if we reshuffle these projects? Bingo. You know, then it's like, bang. You're, they're already on it. Both sides are working on, yep. a, on a solution to the problem. Yep. And all you need to do is make sure that you're sort of strategically aligned to accomplish the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's like team building 101 <laughs> yeah that we could talk about that stuff forever there's right. there's so many and that's hey like we could have a podcast it's like marketing like and management yeah and, and other we, bullshit and yeah and other bullshit and yeah. we could just like talk about this shit yeah. forever yeah <laughs> you know. or, or at least like in 45 minute chunks <laughs> we should create like a mini series yeah. yeah yeah okay uh what about in an enterprise Mm. Mm. what kind mm. of enterprise well i'm just talking about like as a company gets bigger maybe as it has multiple brands mm-hmm. um or multiple business units mm-hmm. um thoughts on like where do you embed the designer and the the religious argument that we're alluding to here is does does the designer live in some centralized agency or mm-hmm. do they live attached to a particular brand if you got the resources for individual brands, there we go. Uh, my 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 hope is that you would have a designer in each individual brand that yeah. lives, breathes, and feels that that brand. Um, however, that's not always feasible. And you know, look at every single creative agency out there; they're they're not just dedicated to one single company. Right. Um, so again, it's important when you're finding your candidates, when you have your people on your team, that they can be. Um, kind of cross utilized in a little bit of different areas. Yeah, I agree. Um, I tend to, I tend to lean towards, you know, sort of back to something we were talking about earlier, like, or, or maybe, maybe I was thinking it, but not saying it. I don't know. I think people, people mentally devote themselves to a single, single brand Mm -hmm. and they have the primary brand that they like to work on and they don't like working on other stuff or their, or their work on that other stuff is like, not as good Mm -hmm. so you know for that reason i prefer that like you have people that are devoted to a brand Mm -hmm. and can like be involved and get the kind of like awesome collaboration that we were talking about going Mm -hmm. earlier but you just have to know all of that and then i think that goes all the way back to how we started this conversation of like you know if you have someone that's like you know maybe maybe if you have someone if you are in a situation where you're going to have to support multiple brands and it's limited resources, mm-hmm. maybe you go hire someone that has agency experience and your take home project is like design me three logos. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some people, you know, and some people uh, to me, I'm an in-house marketer. Like that's my thing. Yeah. Some people think they go insane just being on an in-house side. Right. So again, it depends on who you're hiring, what you're hiring for. It comes down to that time and time again, right? Not everyone can fit into everything. Cool. Oh, I think we covered that. Yeah. Bam, done. How's the time? Uh, we're at 38 minutes. Wow, look at that. Yeah, I know. We're keeping it, keeping it tight. Good. You got anything <laughs> else on here? Uh, no, just closing. So uh, this will go up. We're recording it the day before. So mm-hmm. tomorrow mm-hmm. Uh, is when it will go live, uh, which is Monday, January 8th. Um, Tuesday, I'll be at Affiliate Summit giving a talk on like seven tips for getting your affiliate manager to throw cash at you cool aka uh please don't bid on my brands or i'll fucking kick you out of the program haven't we talked about this before <laughs> yeah yeah we definitely have. yeah no actually we we talked about it before as i was like knowing that i was going to have to give that Got presentation mm. right so it was it was like yeah so come meet chris in person if you're in vegas to all 12 people listening to us <laughs> Well, I think the 12 people that are listening to us probably have already met us. Yeah. (laughs) Valid. Yeah. Um, So anyway, another talk there. Um, Check out the website, stillunsponsored.com for show notes. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Still Unsponsored, and leave us a five-star review. Rate us. Um, Should we do like... Should we do like a follow-up question? Like, 
like either hit us up on social or go to a website and answer the following question. But I don't know what the question should be. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Not that. Okay. <laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know where going with this one. It's it's about audience engagement, Zach. <sighs> trying trying to get them engaged, going to the website and like clicking shit. Until next time. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think here's the. I'm just imagining the music right now. Oh, it's going. <laughs> it's going. Yeah, imagine. It. Here, here's the question. What is the best audience engagement tactic you have heard on a podcast or YouTube video? It's self-referential. Come on, it's great. Until next time. <laughs> thanks for watching, everyone. Or listening. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. bye. <laughs>